From Leader in Me Studios, I'm Molly Garcia. This is The Empowering Teacher. Welcome, everyone. Dr. Stephen R. Covey shared that we think we see the world as it is, when in fact we see the world as we are. It's in these words that as empowering teachers, we pause for a moment to inspect our own beliefs and perspectives and evaluate the impact they have on ourselves and our students. School life happens so fast, and the whirlwind can be overwhelming sometimes. We can find ourselves going for efficiency in our relationship with our students, and unfortunately, we unintentionally limit opportunities to empower our students and build strong relationships. Today, we're going to lean right into the power of paradigms, a space where we look at how our own limiting beliefs can impact student learning and what we could do to break free from these mindsets and embrace all the possibilities in front of us. Navigating in this space with us today is Robin Sampson, a leader in me coach and consultant serving the states of New York and New Jersey. Robin, welcome to the Empowering Teacher Podcast. Thank you so much, Molly, for having me. Yeah, we are so excited to bring your genius to our listeners today. So let's just jump right into it. Robin, tell us about PS310 School for Future Leaders. Who are they and their journey as a leader in me school? Sure, Molly. So PS310 is a K-5 New York City public elementary school in the diverse borough of Brooklyn. And the majority of their students are from first-generation American families. And they also offer bilingual instruction in English and Mandarin Chinese, as well as offer Spanish and Mandarin as part of a foreign language curriculum for students. What I love about this school, Molly, is that they set high expectations for all students while creating an environment that is built on trust and strong relationships with families, teachers, students, and the surrounding community. And as a matter of fact, after learning about Leader and Me, not even a few years ago, they are 12 years since the inception of this school. The principal founded this school almost 12 years ago. And after learning about Leader and Me in the earlier years, the principal saw so much potential in this process and what it could bring um, and do for her community. So she brought it to her school And she said yes to the opportunity for students to learn these life principles. It's amazing what what they've been able to accomplish in that time. Wow. Thank you for sharing the beauty of their journey. And we know there are strong anchoring pieces to a successful school. And we know one of them is to foster a culture of belonging, which it already sounds like that is living so deeply in their story. So what does this look like on a day-to-day basis for a school? Well, Molly, interestingly enough, their school's mission statement is really anchored in the habit sticks practice valuing differences. And I don't know if they did this intentionally. My gut is telling me maybe not. Uh, But in their mission, they really want to equip students with these leadership skill sets so that they can go out and be effective citizens in a multicultural and multilingual society and workforce. So talk about creating a culture of belonging and how it's rooted in their mission. But when it comes to their practices, morning and afternoon meetings are the norm. Now, in my experience as a coach, 
I see, I see schools that have morning meetings. I don't always encounter those that have the afternoon meetings as well. And so these morning and afternoon meetings are designed to help build trust and um, authentic relationships between students and teachers and students and students. And during these meetings, students learn that their classroom is the safe space where they can share their concerns and their thoughts without any type of judgment. They have this structured time where they can highlight what's happening in their life. They can meet with their accountability partners, discuss their wigs. And then here's another thing, Molly. Even outside of a classroom, they create this culture of belonging through positive messaging and kind words of affirmation. And they do this at the staff level and they do it at the student level. As a matter of fact, I witnessed a professional development session where before they started their professional development, the staff got on a share doc, and this is just a practice that's rooted in the school, and they just shared positive messages to each other about each other. I mean, how powerful is that? You know, I'm holding on to the edge of my seat right now, Robin, thinking about, you know, the empowering teachers at PS310. And what's coming to mind is in those examples you shared, ways that they're honoring and maximizing the potential and genius of their students. Can you share a little bit more how they go about doing that? Sure, absolutely. So student potential is cultivated in the classroom. And they use a lot of empowered learning approaches, such as Genius Hour. They use project-based learning units, which I'm going to tell you a little bit about. And they're able to foster that sense of autonomy in students, giving them that voice and that choice. So, for example, in their project-based learning units, you can have a second-grade classroom, for instance. And they're studying social studies. And in that social studies unit, their focus is around the local community. Well, students will learn about the local community and different roles that one can assume in the community, and then they take that school-wide through a leadership event, such as a carnival. And in this carnival, students assume roles such as safety and security officers. They develop these games that their peers later play, their facilitators. I mean, it's just amazing what they're able to accomplish. And think about how students are cultivating their genius at a very early age as well and learning about their interests and what they might want to do when they grow up. That is so beautiful. It just, I keep on seeing the analogy of like a window opening up that window of opportunity, allowing them to see now and experience the possibilities that they have in their future by unleashing their gifts and talents that they have to offer the world. I have to ask the question, Robin, you know, taking all of this beauty that they're bringing to their students and opportunities, just helping them identify those areas of genius that they can practice and share. Do they ever find themselves or maybe how do they handle those moments when maybe as educators, they found themselves in just limiting ways of thinking about their students, whether it was just a quick moment or a season, how do they handle that? Yeah. Well, here's the perfect example to answer that. When they started about six years ago now, fully implementing the process initially, they had limiting beliefs around what kindergarten and first grade students could do when it came to the student-led conference. So they would tell you, if they were here today, that they grew the most in our paradigm of leadership and that paradigm of motivation. 
because with professional development, with leveraging the resources that we have available on the website, and providing scaffolds for these students in the form of question prompts, these students eventually gained the confidence because they had the tools needed, required, in order to lead a successful student-led conference. And they were able to achieve that. So now all of their students are leading their own learning and speaking to their data and their leadership. There's a lot of power in that. What I'm hearing is they took a moment to pause and to question, to bring in some of those key questions to really identify what can our students do versus what they're limited by. Well, and you know, self-awareness and the power of the pause played a key role in the teachers just collectively. It sounds like it's a collective effort shifting their paradigms from, you know, these students just can't handle the responsibility to, you know what, let's empower them and model the possibilities. So I, I would love for our listeners to hear, you know, as a result of the shift of thinking, what did the teachers notice right away in the students? Oh my goodness, Molly. <laughs> the confidence levels went through the roof. Now, keep in mind where we are. We're in the southern part of Brooklyn, high Asian population, and confidence can be a topic and has been a topic. Very easy to cycle back into the old paradigms and ways of thinking and doing, which is really rooted in fear, isn't it? It's rooted in the fear of just releasing that control and seeing what could happen. This, this school pushed past that. And instead, they anchored themselves in possibility to promote student voice. So a couple of examples that I can pull from here, um, and this kind of gets into trust and authentic relationships that we're building with the students as well. So this school is very big on PBL, project-based learning. And if you ever were to attend any of their PBL events, you would know, first and foremost, it is a PBL event that you probably have not experienced ever. <laughs> On your field trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very much so. It is, it is field trip worthy. They are a presence and a force within the community. Their classrooms and their hallways and all of their common spaces are transformed transformed into airports, hotels, community projects that they're working on and students assume these leadership roles. And by assuming these leadership roles, they're able to in turn develop their autonomy, their voice. And that is so big. That is so big. How do I find my voice when I'm in a new country with new norms? and new ways of being. How can I embrace that and bring that forward and also unleash that potential in myself? And that school has provided these platforms that engage students in these project-based activities based on their interests, based on their talents, the skill sets that they bring. An example is in a social studies unit, uh, they were studying local community and the second grade had hosted a school-wide carnival and they explored community jobs. They had roles of safety and security guard, game developers. I mean, this is all happening in their school. And it's literally transformed. You don't, you're, they're not even in classrooms, they're outside. That carnival was happening outside on their playground and they transformed their playground into this community setting, this carnival. 
and students were learning financial literacy. They were selling tickets. I mean, they were facilitators of their own learning. It's just, it's just outstanding. The, the level of confidence seen and experienced by the students there. Wow. I love, Robin, that you said it took place outside because that's where life happens, right? Life just doesn't happen in a classroom. Those authentic experiences just opened up possibilities. And I'm hearing you say they untethered themselves from fear and anchored themselves in possibilities. Wow. That's exciting. Okay. So we got to be real as well with our listeners, right? I'm sure the teachers just didn't will this into fruition and it happened. I'm sure there was intention, you know, they had an intentional roadmap and I'm sure there were bumps in the road, windy and all. I would love for our listeners to hear how far down the path or this map did they go before it really solidified for them that we're doing it. We got this, even with the bumps in the road. Yeah. Well, like I had shared earlier, they're a very collaborative school. So trust is very high and trust is the ingredient in order to make anything manifest, especially as a collective. Without the trust in oneself, in one's own pedagogy, it's harder even to extend that trust, right? It goes back to the private and public victories, Molly. When we're not working on ourselves and we're not developing that self-trust, it's really hard for us to have relationship trust and to practice that release. So that was also part of not just their journey and their story. I feel like maybe even a lot of schools can identify with that as well. Yeah, that's for sure. And we know that trust truly is an amplifier and it takes work. It takes intentional work to build trusting relationships. You scratched the surface a little bit here, Robin, on authentic relationships and then bringing trust in the conversation you know, once we're operating with an empowering paradigm as adults, it would love for us to talk about what needs to be in place for students to feel safe to become those risk takers in learning. Because financial literacy, selling tickets, organizing a carnival that's outside of the classroom, that's not in a book, that all takes authentic relationships and trust. So what does that look like on a day-to-day basis in the classroom so that we can venture out into the world and bring those possibilities. What does that look like in the classroom for them? So Molly, bare bones structures, routines. Mm-hmm. Ooh, say more about that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, in this school, they have morning and afternoon meetings. And it's through these meetings where students learn that their classrooms are safe spaces for them to be who they truly are. So they can share their concerns and their thoughts without judgment. They're structured to include students and allow students to share their highs and lows. So it's like an emotional bank account check-in. It's very, very powerful. It's also rooted in that mindset again, that mindset of every student can. They can lead, they can have their genius going back to those paradigms. Otherwise, those structures wouldn't exist. But those structures and those routines, even mission statements, And having the class recite its mission statement every day helps to reaffirm those expectations for all children and also establish that authentic relationship and most importantly, the psychological safety. 
they find peace and safety in their classrooms with their teachers. And that's huge because teachers know that they can't control what happens outside of the four walls of their classroom or even within their school building. They're going back out into the world. If I might add something here, Molly, about the pandemic, everyone experienced that. And there was the pandemic itself and also the paradigm shifts that were occurring within the pandemic. And for the first time, maybe for a lot of educators, and I know for this staff, seeing inside the children's homes and seeing where they come from was a huge paradigm shift in itself. However, that trust was ever more present because as an educator, I am trusting that I have instilled and I have equipped my students with the skill sets and also the character traits needed for them to show up right, and to be in charge of their own learning the best way that they know how to be, even without that adult guidance, which in many cases that did happen where adults were not able to always be there. However, children still had that expectation of showing up. So there was that release that just happened right right away. No pause there. <laughs> Everyone was pushed into it. It was also a test and a platform to extend that trust and to trust in ourselves. Very huge learning when we're talking about authenticity and building those relationships. And that's equitable practices that's rooted in our equity and education work. Truly understanding so much vulnerability and courage happening there, Robin, because, you know, you're talking about, you know, setting those rooted pieces for students to show up and for students to have trusting relationships that if I can't be there, even though it's a virtual space, that the school is going to love my child, support my child. There's that trust that is happening. And I keep on going back to what Stephen Covey talks about with trust being the amplifier. And it sounds like those authentic relationships, Habit 5 listening, the school being really aware of its purpose and mission and living in those five core paradigms has really allowed that trust to really seep into who they are. It's just not something on the checklist that they do but it's who they are, even when, you know, the, the family can't be there or the teacher, it's just this, like, it just seems like it's has this flow that is who they are as a school. That's so beautiful to hear their story. <laughs> yes. And it's, and it's who they are, Molly. And it's what they constantly know that they're choosing to work on. So though trust is evident in the building, it's not perfect. I'm so glad that you said that, Robin. I think that's important for us to understand as teachers. See, you're right. Say more about that. I, I think that's so good for yeah. us to hear. Sure, sure. It's not perfect. It's it's something that they realize collectively we wish and we're choosing to work on and to work towards building more of that relationship trust. Because without it, everything falls apart. And then we operate independently. Right? If we think about the maturity continuum, we don't grow. We can't create that we culture. And they really want to. And then they are. They're, they're doing it. However, it is constant work. It's never a one and done. It's something that they're constantly 
working on and towards. It's, we're a work in progress, and that's the great thing that sets a solid platform for a school collectively as a team. I taught, you brought up ex- teacher expectations, um, and I'd love to hear, you know, what are those teacher expectations, PS310 School for Future Leaders, and how did students respond to the expectations? Great question, Molly. So outside of PS310, New York City in general, New York City's Department of Education, we have an instructional leadership framework. And one of the pillars of that instructional leadership framework is to know your students well. So all of our schools really work towards honoring those pillars and especially that one, um, knowing our students well and setting those high expectations, which is another pillar. So for PS310 in particular, positive affirmations, using the emotional bank account. Every classroom has an emotional bank account system where students are actively engaged in acts of kindness. And that helps to grow trust when we have more deposits in that relationship. So it is set up as a system in the school, in classrooms, And that is one of the ways how they maintain that high expectation of having respect for each other and doing things in community. Accountability partners are also very big. Again, part of a system and a structure. You probably see the theme here in the thread. (laughs) It's making my heart happy. (laughs) Accountability partners are so critical. So just going back to the morning and afternoon meetings, students are sharing things about their life and they're inviting their peers. Do you know that students hold leadership roles as critical friends? That is a leadership role at that school is to be a critical friend. And a critical friend is that emotional bank account buddy, that trusting buddy where you can share your highs and lows and also that accountability buddy. I like that term accountability buddy. Talk about being intentional. And what message is that sending to our students that you matter, that you have a critical friend that is going to make emotional bank account deposits to make sure that you're good, right? That it's not just about academics, but when we are good in heart, body, mind, and spirit, all of those academic pieces flourish, right? And we don't just live it in the classroom, we live it outside of the classroom, which is what we are all aiming for. Well, I want to bring this back um, full circle, Robin, back to paradigms with thinking about, you know, what was the direct impact of the teacher paradigms and on their expectations, right? Because if our paradigms are operating from a fixed mindset, our expectations might look different, but I really want us to really highlight their paradigms, their intentional work on paradigms and how that truly impacted the expectations that they have for all students. Well, the expectations and how that was impacted was seen in the outcomes. It was seen in student outcomes. Students learned that they can lead. And isn't that why we're doing this work? So they showed that sense of eagerness. And that was an awakening for them. Like, wow, okay. Because what our brains tend to do, Molly, is we look for evidence in our environment to validate a belief that we hold. And that's for any belief that we hold. So when students were showing up 
when they were leading, they were pushing past their own personal paradigms, right, that students may have come in with based on their life experiences, right? But then also helping to shift teacher paradigms as well. So that sense of eagerness and awakening that they don't have to be limited given their life circumstances, that is the best gift. That's the give back. And that is what helps teachers to remember those high expectations, to remember the importance of their mindset is that it's just a, a return. It's that return on the investment of really practicing that pause and knowing what is the driving mindset and is it aligned to our mission to fulfill the vision? Yeah. Is it aligned to our principles? I go back to principles are unchanging and paradigms are not. They're always changing based on our experiences. And PS310 is providing beautiful experience for students where the adults in the building have really focused in on intentionally, you know, a growth mindset, where are their paradigms and letting their vision, letting their mission drive their paradigms and what they want for all of their students. Robin, this has been such a powerful conversation. And I just have to say thank you for sharing the collective efforts of this beautiful school that you get to serve. Just thank you. This is, was a powerful conversation for us. I am going to tell you, my friend, we are going to switch gears though right now. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> <Okay>. gonna, <laughs> we are going to go into the rapid fire questions. A little something we do here on the Empowering Teacher Podcast. Our listeners can just get to know who is Robbins. Are you ready to have some fun? Absolutely. I was like, there was too much of a pause there, Robin. <laughs> She's like, I'm out. <laughs> Bring it on, All right. Molly. <laughs> All right. I'm rolling up my sleeves right now. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Right. Get ready, listeners. Okay. All right. Best part of being a coach. Best part of being a coach is surrounding myself with teacher and administrative leaders who are, in fact, Molly, smarter than myself. I feel that I really learn from the best and they teach me more than they think. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. One thing that you're grateful for today. Oh gosh. Does it have to be one thing? I'd love to share <laughs> two, but I know. Okay. I'll, I'll honor, I'll honor the one. I am so grateful for this invitation to share and highlight the amazingness and greatness of this building, of elevating student voice and leadership by holding these empowering paradigms and be able to share it with the world and the nation. So, yes, yes, we are all grateful for their genius. Absolutely. What here's, I've been waiting for this question. What one quick fact that most people may not know about you? Oh, oh well, my background is actually in high school. So I taught high school in New York City and I got my start in South Bronx. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's great. All right. When word your past teachers would use to describe you? Energetic. Energetic. Yeah. Can definitely feel that. Okay. What is the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? You ready for this, Molly? Bring it on. You're, you're going to want to write this one down. <laughs> I got it. Pen in hand. <laughs> okay. 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 You teach people how to treat you every day. So good. <laughs> oh my goodness. Robin, thank you for having some fun with us. Everyone, we'll be right back with some more greatness from Robin in just a moment. 
we need to be more proactive and be sure to put first things first. Begin with the end in mind and seek first to understand. Have you ever used the seven habits when talking with someone only to have them roll their eyes or express resistance to embrace what you mean? We may find the habit names inspiring. However, it's not the names that change our lives. It's the highly effective practices, the shifts in our paradigms, our connection to principle-centered living. My name is Alicia Parsons, and I'm a Leader and Me coach and consultant from Houston, Texas. One of my favorite tools on Leader and Me Online is the Seven Habits at a Glance resource. Use it as a self-assessment. Post it in places where difficult conversations happen. Share it with others. Set a goal to be so proficient in the language of the seven habits that the titles simply become a way to organize the paradigms, principles, practices, and concepts that inspire greatness. Find it today. The seven habits at a glance on leaderandme.com. Welcome to the Paradigm Pause. Today, let's take a moment to reflect on the power of our own paradigms when we pause and ask. Are my paradigms limiting or empowering? We open up a space for reflection to truly see the impact we're having on our students. Today, Robin reminds us that we can unintentionally bring limiting paradigms to the classroom. When we slow down and embrace the pause to reflect, we create a space to check whether our paradigms are aligned to get the results we want for our students. The empowering educators at PS310 School for Future Leaders intentionally made space to untether themselves from fear and to anchor themselves in the possibilities for their students. They created a system that included coming back to their why and then identifying what they needed to move forward. They called out the limiting beliefs they had and together they clarified the paradigm they would need to collectively empower their students. One that unleashed student voice and released a space for students to actively own their learning They didn't judge, they realigned, and they reflected on the results they wanted for their students. Our paradigms are the keys that unlock the possibility for our students. Welcome back, everyone. We always end our podcast episode with one doable action step and strategy that the empowering teacher can take right back to the classroom. So Robin, what is one thing our teachers can do to unleash potential through the work of our paradigms? Oh, what a powerful question, Molly. I would say go back to your personal mission statement. And if it's been a while since you have revisited your personal mission statement, or maybe it's the first time that you're writing a personal mission statement, invest that time in you. What is your mission? Why did you say yes to this career? What really keeps you going? And once you're clear on that mission, and that mission will evolve as it should, revisiting it is so important. Once we revisit it and we anchor ourselves in it, then we can truly practice. I mean, we're in the pause in that moment. So we have choices that we can make. And one of those choices can be looking at our mindset. Do our behaviors. I love the the line by Gary McGeary, one of our our beloved consultants here at Franklin Cuddy. And he says, do my behaviors match my mission? And if our behaviors are a little bit misaligned, go back to those paradigms. There's so much power in that. Love it. It's almost like the three P's, Robin. Pause, purpose, paradigms. Oh, and oh. alignment between. Yeah. Ooh, so, love so that. So good. So good. <laughs> Robin, thank you for sharing your genius with us today. And of course, a big thank you to our listeners. Keep shining. You've got this.